Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Good morning. Good morning, Kentucky. You're listening, of course, to me, Andrew Cooperwriter, your source for Kentucky news and politics from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. It is clearer than ever. Let me tell you, I've heard these national pundits try to explain what happened in Kentucky, and they are fumbling all over themselves. They have no clue what's happening right here in the bluegrass state, and that is why a show like this is incredibly important. That's why I encourage you, please make sure you share this out with all your friends, your family, your neighbors, so that way we can all stay informed exactly in what's going on in Kentucky. Now, you can always catch the show right here on WZXI at 9 a.m., which is 1280 a.m., 94.1 FM, and 95.5 FM. If you don't get these stations, you can head on over to theandrewshow.com, and you can listen to WZXI 24-7 on my website there from their live feed. You can also catch each episode in the podcast format on all major podcasting platforms like Spotify, iHeart, and Apple. You can also watch on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. However, new episodes are not posted there till 1 p.m. So if you want to catch it before anyone else, you want to sound savvy around the water cooler, remember you got to tune into WZXI each morning, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Now, yesterday in my show, I showed a lot of strong disappointment in Cameron and the Cameron campaign and how it was run. And for the longtime listeners, you know this isn't me piling on after the fact. Everybody can be an armchair quarterback uh, or, or, you know, every everybody can say hindsight's twenty twenty. But those of you who have listened to this show every single day know that I was calling out these concerns and these issues for months on end. At some points, even speculating of how can a person run a campaign this badly? How is this campaign so awful and being ran so terribly? Well, I also have some more clarity points that may point to how just such a campaign would manage to be ran this way, as well as I want to dig into some other things uh, kind of for the Democrats, right? So last night, the Democrats think, well, we won the governor. What a great night for us in Kentucky. But actually, if they actually barreled into the results and looked around at them, they'd see there's quite an issue. And what kind of made me dig into this was a dumb Twitter post that was floating around on Facebook that people are talking about. Uh, it's from Twitter handle Amuse. Uh, Amuse, it's like A-M-U-S-E. It says election. There's a lot of pundits explaining why the GOP didn't win the Kentucky governorship, but none of them make sense to me. How did the GOP uh, attorney general receive 125,000 more votes than the GOP governor candidate? Why did 57,000 fewer people vote for governor than attorney general? Why did uh, 57,000? And then below that, uh, they have something else that says, why did 125,001 Republicans show up to the polls to vote for the Republican attorney general, but fail to vote for the GOP governor? More suspicious is the fact that the Democrat governor didn't receive as many votes as a Republican attorney general, 57,827 fewer. Now, this is a 
dumb post, a stupid post made by somebody who doesn't know how stats work. Okay. First off, let me clarify this whole, how they get more points and, and all that other jizz jazz. Okay. Uh, first, the total number of votes cast in the governor's election um, was more than cast in the attorney general's race total. So if you take the total amount of votes cast in the attorney general race, uh, you have Russell Coleman, who got 752,230 votes, and you add that to Pamela Stevenson, who got 544,544 votes, you end up with 1.29 million, basically. And then when you look at the governor's election, Andy Bashir, he got 694,167 votes, and then Daniel Cameron got 627,086 uh, votes. That is 24,000 almost 25,000 more votes cast in the governor's election uh, than in the attorney general's race. Now, it's normal to see down ticket fall off. That's not weird, right? That's a very common thing. So when they say, why did 57,000 fewer people vote for the governor than AG? What he's talking about is why did 57,000 fewer people vote for Andy Bashir uh, uh, than the attorney general? So this is such a silly state. It's, it's like you're saying they're monolith voters. Yes, you're right. Michael Adams, Russell Coleman, Allison Ball, Mark Metcalf all took about 60% of the vote. And Daniel Cameron and Annie Bashir. Annie Bashir only took 53% of the vote. This is how races work. It was a more competitive top of the ticket race. A lot more money spent. The vote totals are different. They're different races. There's nothing comparing the two. Now to the other point, though. This point that just shows a complete lack of clarity and inability to study words. I mean, this is the thing. If you're going to go out there and you're going to get political information uh, from people and, and not just study words, sorry, but study numbers. If you're going to get political information from some, somebody, please, if they're not talking about some stats, some numbers when they're going over election results, they're an idiot. Don't talk to them. And then if they show a complete and utter lack of understanding of how numbers work. Okay. So they say, why did 125,001 Republicans show up to the polls to vote for the Republican attorney general, but fail to vote for the GOP governor? How do you know 125,001 Republicans showed up to the polls? You have no idea. In fact, this is where these people, let's keep in mind. Okay. Only three percentage points more Republicans are registered in Kentucky than Democrats. It's three percentage points. We didn't even have a plurality of Republicans registered in this state until last year. Before that, there was more registered Democrats in the state. There are no stats out yet on who voted by party registration. How many Democrats showed up to vote people registered Democrat and how many people registered Republican? It's a pretty large assumption to make that in an election that had 37% turnout, that Republicans would out turn out Democrats by 125,000 people, 125,000 people, which is almost 10% when Republicans only hold a 3% registration advantage. That didn't happen. There's no numbers to back it up. And I would put thousands of dollars down that nearly the same, if not more, I'll go over in a bit why I think more Democrats turned out to vote than Republicans. But there is no way 125,000 and one more Republicans turned out to vote than Democrats. Remember, going into 
into Tuesday, early voting combined already had Democrats with 30,000 more votes cast by people registered Democrat than people registered Republican. And when I get in these official numbers, I'll go over them in more detail, though I have early indications to tell me this, that more Democrats voted than Republicans. And so you have these people out here like this Amuse guy making statements like 125,000 and one Republican showed up to the polls to vote for the Republican attorney general, but failed to vote for the GOP governor. Buddy, you don't know that. And yet people float this around as if it's some sign of, of voter fraud. Look, guys, that's not a sign of voter fraud. I talked about this yesterday, right? All of us who paid attention saw this coming. We saw a horribly run campaign out of the Cameron camp for quite some time. And we're talking about it for quite some time. And as I've found out more about how that campaign was run, it gets much, much worse. We're going to cover that today, too. But I'm going to go into some numbers that indicate to me that more Republicans showed up to vote, uh, or more Democrats, sorry, showed up to vote than Republicans did. More Democrats showed up to vote. I've got evidence of that. And also why that evidence tells Democrats in this state that they're in big, big trouble. Big trouble in the future. We'll have that coming up here in just a short break uh, we got to go to commercial, but you are listening to the Andrew Cooperator Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional perspective. We'll see you guys back here in just a few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperator Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative point of view. Before the break, I was talking about this dumb post going around on Facebook from Amuse, somebody who doesn't understand stats or anything else. And those of you who share it, I don't blame you for sharing it, but please, please, please try to think critically when you look at things. So before the break, in this meme, he talks about why did 125,001 Republicans show up to the polls and vote for Republican Attorney General? And this is my point, okay? The election was not lost, I believe. The governor's election was not lost by Republicans voting for Andy Bashir. It was lost because Republicans didn't show up to vote at all. The only reason why you look at down tick and you say, well, it all went Republican, top the ticket went Democrat. It was because of Democrats, registered Democrats, that don't vote often Democrat. They actually vote Republican. We see this in rural areas that can greatly outnumber Republicans with Democrat registration, but yet vote for and elect by wide margins Republican legislators to represent them in the state uh, legislative uh, grouping there, whether it's the House or Senate. And, and we see this on a regular basis. We see Republican judge executives in counties that have 40% Republican uh, uh, registration numbers to 60% Democrat because these rural area Democrats will vote Republican more often than they vote Democrat. So the discrepancy between the top of the ticket and the lower ticket, sure, there were some Republicans uh, in especially liberal areas, Lexington, Louisville, I'd say around 8% of Republicans, I'll tell you where I'm getting that number from, that voted for Andy Bashir, that otherwise voted for Republicans down ticket. But Democrats voted for Andy Bashir then voted in wide margins for Republicans down ticket. This is a big problem for Democrats. That's what I believed happened. I'm going to tell you why I believe that happened. And I turn to, again, 
Kitten County. Now, for those of you who listened to the show yesterday and are aware, you know that I go to Kitten and Campbell counties to talk a lot about this election because it's so fascinating, so fascinating. So looking at Kitten County, and, and the reason why it's fascinating, as I went over yesterday, they went plus 18 for Thomas Massey a year ago. And then they go like plus five for Andy Bashir a year later, right? So this is why I think it was turnout on the Republican side. Republicans didn't feel excited to turn out. That was the problem. It was not Cameron necessarily winning people over that showed up to vote and losing people. And Bashir did a great job winning people over. It was that Cameron and campaign did a horrible job turning people out. Horrible job. And you can see it right there in Kenton County. Well, first, understand as well, Less people showed up to vote this year than four years ago in the last governor's election. Now, let me ask you, do you think the Democrats, to keep their last vestige of power in the state uh, uh, capital there, Andy Bashir, were less excited than four years ago to vote in the governor's election? Do you think they were less excited to? Of course not. So if you saw less people turning out to vote, who do you think was less excited to get out there? Who do you think didn't feel as much of a, of a need to get out there? Do you think it was the Democrats or do you think it was the Republicans who all the politicos that paid attention and weren't afraid to say it were saying, this guy is not running an inspiring campaign. When you have everybody telling you this guy's not going to turn out the vote, then you have lower vote, lower vote turnout. That should tell you something. But looking at Kenton County now, what we see when we look at voters who are registered Republican or Democrat, I know people are registered independent, libertarian, whatever, but looking at only voters registered Republican or Democrat, what we see is Republicans hold 55% of people who are registered either Republican or Democrat, and then the Democrats have 45% in Kenton County. But when we look at straight ticket voting, though, from Tuesday, we see that there's 27,946 votes that were cast using the straight ticket, top of the tipic, ticket voting system. 57% of straight ticket voters voted Republican and 42% voted Democrat. So assuming that uh, those people who voted straight ticket Republican or straight ticket Democrat were not people who were registered independent, though some of those probably did, what we see is the Republican straight ticket outshowed the Republican percentage of vote that they held, outshowed it. That tells you, while Democrats, however, underperformed by percentage, according to proportionality here, less Democrats voted straight ticket in Kenton County, which remember, Bashir has increased his odds in, than Republicans voted straight ticket by by proportionality. More Republicans vote straight taken by proportionality. It just means that less Republicans showed up to vote. That's why Andy Bashir still won the county by five or six or so points. Because less Republicans showed up, even though a greater percentage of those Republicans that did show voted straight ticket. Now, there's something else, though, that that tells us. So, so that deals with this dumb meme circulating around that says that, oh, you know, I've got all these questions and it must be voter fraud. And look, like I said, it is, it is halfway insulting to me when I see people claiming voter fraud because what it tells me is they haven't been paying attention, certainly not listening to what I've been saying because for the past several months, I've been calling out that this would happen and then it happens and now you want to claim voter fraud. It wasn't voter fraud. 
is that you had a candidate that didn't turn out Republicans, and then you have a Democrat party that's extremely left. That's the other key point here, and that's the real story that Democrats need to be taking away. They need to be taking away that their party is done and cooked. As soon as Andy Bashir's done with this four years, they got a real problem with who's sitting on their bench. They got a real problem with figuring out a way forward in Kentucky. They're in a bad position. Because as I stated, if more Democrats turned out to vote, or the same, if we had an exact 50-50 split, Republicans and Democrats turned out to vote. But I think actually more Democrats turned out to vote. As I said, going into this day, we had 30%, 30,000 more votes cast in early voting. We had less people overall, though, show out. So I believe when we look at party registration, we'll see more Democrats turned out to vote than Republicans. When that data comes in, I'll be sure to tell you all about it. It should be in the next few days, but I'm going to hazard a guess to say why. I went over some numbers as to why I think we can comfortably make that conclusion. What that means, if I'm right, is that the Democrat party is in big, big trouble because it means large swaths of people who are registered Democrats prefer a generic Republican over a generic Democrat. So you hear about these polls called generic D and generic R. And so basically it's just kind of a poll where they say, eh, just anybody with an R next to their name, would you vote for them? Yes or no? Not talking about individual candidates, call to personality, an individual candidate's ability, once again, to turn people out, win over votes. Just If you had just a generic R and a generic D, who would you vote for? And right now nationwide, we see generic R is having the largest lead that it's ever enjoyed. But we also see this here in Kentucky. You see, there's large amounts in rural areas, especially of people who are registered Democrat, but vote generic R. And what do I mean is that there's people that are registered Democrats that have been Democrats their entire lives. They're not ashamed of being Democrat. They don't change their registration. They're Democrats, but they believe that a generic Democrat doesn't actually represent their values as well as a generic Republican. That's what Tuesday's night's results tell us. Because it tells us that when, when Democrats went down ticket, down ticket, without knowing anything about them, because that's what happens in down ticket, right? There's not a lot of money in those races. You see tens of millions of dollars dumped in the governor's race. Meanwhile, if you get above half a million dollars spent in a down ticket race, uh, uh, and you're a Democrat and you get over, you know, 200 grand into your campaign uh, uh, and you're down ticket this last round, you would have, uh, you would have, you would have overperformed your compadres there. You, they were not bringing in money, right? And because they didn't bring in money, it just came down to basically generic R versus generic D. People, they don't know. They don't have a track record with any of the R's or any of the D's other than Michael Adams and Allison Ball. Allison Ball was prior state treasurer running for course for auditor. Michael Adams running for re-election. So they have no experience with any of these candidates other than those two, but all of them held a pretty solid 60% holdings. And the reason why is because so many of the Democrat party here in Kentucky don't like and assume a generic Democrat is somebody that doesn't represent their values. That's what leads me to say that the Democrats in Kentucky, despite they may be celebrating last night's results, if they dig into it and they realize what I have realized, more Democrats showed up to vote, but yet every Republican still won 60-40 down ticket. It means that your own people who are registered to your party 
look at you and say, if I don't know anything else about you other than you're a politician running for office with a D next to your name, that's all I know about you. I don't want to vote for you. And they're registered Democrat themselves saying that. That's a big problem. And the Democrats, after Bashir, they don't have a bench, right? The reason why these people come out and vote for Bashir, there's a lot of reasons why they voted for Bashir. And they were willing, even though, so they're already Democrats. So they have no qualms about voting Democrat because they're a registered Democrat themselves. They don't view Democrats as necessarily crazy and evil. They just view most Democrat candidates as crazy as evil. But if a Democrat comes along that they feel they know, they can trust and isn't going to push this crazy town cuckoo BS that we see at the national level. If they're not going to push that, they don't think they are. They're more than willing to cast a ballot for them just because, and see, we're in our circles as Republicans. A lot of times we think, how could you ever vote for a Democrat? But these people who've been giving Republicans victory in the state that have these Democrats have been voting Republican. They don't think that way. They don't think, how could you ever vote for a Democrat? They are Democrats. They just don't like the modern Democrat party. It doesn't represent their values. So why did they vote for Bashir though? What is it about Bashir that made them go for him versus deciding to once again, go with a generic R or just cross over again and vote Republican for that governor? We'll be covering that in a little bit more detail after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Coop Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you guys back here in just a few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. As a reminder, if you want to reach out to the show, send your comments, your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions, something you want me to cover, just go ahead and email me. You can reach out to me at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Before the break, I was going over how um, the real story from Tuesday wasn't that Republicans crossed over for Bashir. It was that so many Democrats cross over down ticket for Republicans. But why did these Democrats stay with Bashir up top. And there's, there's a few reasons why. And one of those reasons actually was brought up uh, by Savannah Maddox. Savannah Maddox is a, a state house rep out of the Northern Kentucky area. And she put a, a longer post on her Facebook, but to sum it up to you, she pointed out that Bashir spoke uh, it was Bashir did a lot of public works projects, just a lot of them, new baseball fields, roads, infrastructure projects, things like that. And all that was funded through that COVID relief money. Those, those big dollars coming into the state from the federal government. And that was repurposed and used for all these boondoggle type projects that Bashir could slap his name on. And ultimately that is what caused us inflation. That's what caused us to hurt our paychecks. That's what's made it hard on you and I, but it's given government the ability for a little bit of while to basically do these types of projects that get people elected. And another way it's bread and circuses. This is an old saying from Roman times when the people are unhappy or to keep them distracted, give them bread and circuses, give them food and entertainment. And in this case, give them food possibly, but give them government works projects like infrastructure, stadiums, gatherings, um, you know, give them the circus and also give them food, but, uh, you know, fix the water systems, the roads, those types of normal things, do those kinds of works. And you can get people to reelect you despite the fact that the way they paid for that 
And th some of those are useless works that really you didn't need. The way they paid from that was by stealing it out of others' pocketbooks. And to point to how clear that is, we look at Eastern Kentucky. Parts of Eastern Kentucky that went red four years ago, this time switched blue. Several counties did, in fact. Um, and while this has left some people scratching their heads, why do these counties flip back and forth? We just need to look at these, once again, these public works projects that Bashir pushed so heavy. And of course, too, these natural disasters that Bashir came in to cover for. Giving out things from the government, free things from the government, is the language Eastern Kentucky speaks. How do I know this? Well, for a lot of years, uh, we'll just go to the Coal Severance Fund. So the, in 1990, a Clean Air Act was passed that people knew would destroy the coal, coal industry in the Appalachians. And so what they did is they created a coal severance fund. So special tax on coal that then goes to these states in order to fund public works projects in order to try to replace the revenues that the government was stealing from the area. And those dollars, when Democrats were in control of the state, went towards not building the infrastructure of things they needed in eastern Kentucky. It went to things like New Jersey's for little leagues and baseball parks and uh, all these public work projects that weren't as needed and didn't create long-term sustainability for the area. But they continued to get reelected until the money kind of ran out and they stopped being able to do those public works projects and the jobs left and Democrats weren't able to bring them back because they didn't put in place that infrastructure. So they stopped voting for Democrats. They started instead voting for Republicans because it wasn't Republicans who destroyed their local industry. It was Democrats. But Andy Bashir, with flush with that COVID cash, was speaking their language again. He started doing these public works. And as evidence of this, we need but only look at the Mountain Parkway project. There is one of the largest state highway projects going on, widening the Mountain Parkway from two lanes to four lanes. A big important project for the area, something people really appreciate in that area. And when we look at the map of flips, you can follow down the Bluegrass Mountain Parkway. You'll see two of the flip counties in eastern Kentucky are right along that Bluegrass Mountain Parkway roadway. And Bashir increased his holdings and his performance in all the other counties that Bluegrass Mountain Parkway follows down. Those types of works really win people over. It's like a straight line, too. It literally comes across it. But why else... Did Bashir win? Well, I'm going to say something. Hell hath frozen over because Bashir has said something that I agree with. This is a, um, <laughs> a chunk, a small little eight second chunk of his acceptance speech last night. So first we've got the bread and circuses. We got the public works projects Andy Bashir did, the kind of the buying the votes, using our tax dollars. That's why people wanted to vote for him. But here's something else he said last night and I agree with actually it was a victory that sends a loud clear message a message that candidates should run for something and not against someone and he's right that's a big difference is that um 
Bashir was kind of running against someone, clearly. I mean, he attacked Cameron and everything else. But people could grasp on to what Bashir wanted to do. They've experienced him. He's delivered on those public works projects. As I said, he spoke their language. He's done the kind of things that these people like government to do, which is to give them things for free, of course. And at the same time, Cameron didn't cast a vision. He didn't tell them, look, those projects could get done, but look how much you're getting taxed to get those projects done. Look at this. Look at all this money he's giving to private industry. Fortune 100, 1,000 companies, big, rich, fat cats. Instead of spending it on you, I wouldn't do that. I would work on infrastructure projects that could be owned by all in order to help encourage those industries to come in. But it's wrong for me to take money out of your pocket and put it into someone else's. That's, that's a way to attack it. Talk about economic drivers and other things like that. Push that out there. But he's, 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 Bashir's right. Cameron didn't really run for something. He had no vision. This is not just me once again saying this. A lot of people said this. But the reason why he had no vision and issues once again came from the leadership. And that leadership was a direct result because of Cameron's ties to Mitch McConnell. You can hate me for saying it all you want to, but Cameron had Terry Carmack and Scott Jennings running the show over there. I played for you Cameron's uh, uh, speech yesterday, his, his um, I lost speech, and he thanked them in the speech, even though they did a horrible, awful job for him. And they both come from McConnell, Carmack's McConnell's chief of staff. McConnellites. And they have a belief that if they're not the ones in the power, if they're not the Republicans in power, they don't want Republicans to win at all. And that caused them to turn away from a lot of things, Trump, as well as some other issues. Taking Trump for an example, Trump literally tweeted this out or truthed this out, I guess, on True Social. He said, Daniel Cameron lost because he couldn't alleviate the stench of Mitch McConnell. I told him early, that's a big burden to overcome. Trump's right. Trump's right. That is a big burden for Cameron to overcome. Not as much that McConnell rubs off on him, but McConnell's people runs off. And they will make decisions like they want to be in control. And so if Trump's people come in and they help Cameron too much, then they may not get to control Cameron when he's in office. So they pushed away Trump and Trump's people, causing Trump to not come in and do rallies with Cameron early enough. They didn't start pushing Trump until the end. They're trying to thread a needle of not having Trump have an excess amount of control over Daniel Cameron. So that way Mitch McConnell and others can remain to be in control, but at the same time using uh, uh, Trump to win the election. And by trying to do both, they failed at both because Cameron's not in office. Now the smart thing would have been just embrace Trump right away. But Cameron didn't do that. He didn't do it because that would have threatened the power of the people running his campaign. But that's not the only mistake that they made. That uh, They simply made out of the fact that they wanted to remain in control or Cameron to lose. And I'll have more on that after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. We'll see you all back here in just a few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Before the break, I was talking about how McConnell's ties, McConnell's staff 
really leading Cameron down the wrong road because they only wanted Cameron to win as long as they could remain in power. And as evidence of this, uh, I talked about, of course, pushing away of McConnell, but there was also, I'm told, now this is just insiders, you know, insiders telling me things that the Cameron campaign's choice of lieutenant governor, for a reminder, he picked Robbie Mills, who, while he wasn't a necessarily negative pick, he wasn't a positive pick. If you're picking a lieutenant governor, you're looking for somebody who can deliver you money, uh, excitement, base, that can drive out the vote, even one or two percentage points. A good lieutenant governor choice would do three things. Drive out the vote another one or two points for you. Important. Pull in money and create excitement with the base to encourage them to get out and vote for you. And I was told that uh, there was a lieutenant governor option being floated that perhaps was Kelly Paul, Rand Paul's wife. And she was interested in the position of lieutenant governor. It was talked about with the Cameron campaign. This is all just what I'm told, insiders, you know, I could be absolutely wrong, but I'm not. But <laughs> it's just what I told that Kelly Paul was willing to be lieutenant governor that the Cameron campaign talked about and decided against it. Why? Because the McConnell people didn't want Rand to have, and Rand's people and the Liberty people to have too much say so or control over Daniel Cameron as governor. And if Rand Paul's wife was the lieutenant governor, well, then of course that could happen. And they didn't want that to happen. They chose instead Robbie Mills, who offered nothing. I'm not kidding. I think Kelly Paul, as lieutenant governor running mate with Cameron, would have resulted in a win for Cameron. I think it would have. It would have caused a lot more of the base to fire up. The anti-Mitch McConnell crowd would have came a lot more on board because at least then we've got a, a, a Paul that we're getting into office. Another Paul that recognizes where we're at and what's going on. And on top of that, the, the base would be more excited to turn out and vote and work for Cameron. And then money. That would bring a lot more attention from money, out-of-state money, because Cameron campaign was a little low on cash. They weren't so low that it makes up the difference. They could have spent their money better, but it could have brought in more cash too as well. Checkmarked all three boxes, but instead they go with Robbie Mills, who checks marks none of the boxes, is just kind of there. You know, because once again, the Terry Carmacks of the world, they only want Republicans in power if they control them. Otherwise, they want Democrats in power. You know, it's so funny too, those establishment hacks like that, they so often get on people like me and you and others for not getting on board and just being sheer team R and ever uttering a word at all that's negative about anybody else who says they're a Republican. Says, not that they are, but says. But yet they themselves, when offered opportunities for Republicans to win, but it means they may have less power, decide to opt for the latter. I mean, look at my state Senate race. You know, the, the Go Pack, a national pack, spent $200,000 for my opponent to beat me on top of another three hundred grand coming out of Republican resources, state-level resources from the SRCCC, as well as donations and everything else into the campaign. They to 500 grand spent to keep Andrew Cooperwriter from winning the state Senate. The Bashir campaign could have used that extra 500 grand. Not the Bashir campaign, sorry, the Cameron campaign to beat Bashir could have used that 500 grand, but instead it was more important to them to keep me out 
than it was to prepare for a race that they knew that was coming up and was going to be difficult and require a lot of resources. That's the way they think. And as long as we continue to tie ourselves up with Republicans who care more about power than our futures, care more about power than they do getting Republicans elected that will do something good and different, but maybe they won't have as much control over them. As long as we continue to entertain those kinds of people in our party, they're going to drag us down like a rock, like a rock. Now, I was sent an email um, today, yesterday, uh, from a James um, new to the area. He sent me an email saying, new listeners, I just moved here and had a question for the show. With aging state leadership and it being overwhelmingly white, where do you see roads of opportunities in Louisville and Lexington? Arguably the more urban slash large cities of the state that are continuing to boom population-wise and while losing 65 to 70% of the vote there is overcomable through rural Kentucky currently, it's not sustainable. Having grown up in the Southwest Virginia and seeing the sharp turn left due to Richmond and DC suburbs, it concerns me that it could be something on the horizon for Kentucky. Well, thank you, James, for your email. And if you want to reach out to the show, ask a question, remember you can email me at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. So obviously uh, what James is wondering about is saying like, look, you know, will Kentucky steadily shift blue? And I can say a few things. One, understand those urban areas start to get bigger as more people move into it. However, as you have Republican leadership in the state overall, you'll see that hopefully those people moving in are they themselves more often conservatives, they're more often Republicans, as long as they're not affected by a liberal mind virus. Now we do have one silver lining here in Lexington, and that is all of our city council races and our mayoral races are nonpartisan. They're nonpartisan. So the mayor doesn't have a party assigned to it, neither do any of the city council races. And so actually one right now as it sits with good coordination between conservatives in Lexington, you could see a Republican getting the position of something like vice mayor, powerful position within the city, able to handle things like, you know, uh, committee assignments and chairs and things like that. But that would require a concerted effort by Republicans uh, to encourage individuals to only vote for this one person for the at-large election. And for those of you unaware of what I mean, uh, Lexington votes for their at-large city council members. Um, they're six on a ballot and a general and the highest vote getter of the at-large, so the three highest vote getters win the election. There's six on the ballot, three highest vote getters win. And the one who gets the most solitary, the most votes uh, becomes vice mayor. And so if you concentrated having that 30% of, uh, of Lexingtonians voting for um, that one mayoral, that one mayor, that one uh, at-large city council member, then that person would become vice mayor. Um, and for evidence of this, you can look at the last uh, Lexington City Council election results from 2022, and you can look at the um, at-large elections. And what you'll see is that Dan Wu, who is the current vice mayor, very far left guy, uh, not all that great. But if you look at Dan Wu, who is the current um vice mayor, what you will see is that he got 20.9% of the 
of the vote. And keep in mind, last night, out of all votes casted, keep in mind uh, that you know generic Republican in Lexington gets 33% of the vote. So if all of them just voted for that one person, um, of course, the uh, more liberal vote would be spread out across everybody. And then in return, uh, you would see that vice mayor position going to a Republican. That could be a good start. Once again, it's not party associated. But the other thing is, is by running that nonpartisan line, you can get more conservative people in there. Maybe they can't be as outright conservative, but you can get more conservative people into those positions and start to push the city farther and farther right instead of the leftist direction it's going. But that will require uh, Republicans to, uh, you know, get it together in Lexington to establish grassroots apparatuses and to continue to push it. So what hope do we have? Well, really, it comes down to how well do the conservatives get active and organized in Lexington and Louisville in order to hold it off? Because remember, you don't have to win the areas for conservatives, but if you could convert more and more people to the area conservative and hold on or even increase that percentage from 33%-ish that you can, 35%-ish that a Republican can expect to win in, a, in Fayette County and increase that even to 40%, uh, that's a big switch, and that can really help with Republicans uh, statewide races and can help Kentucky remain red. So thanks, James, for the question. Once again, if you've got a question, you can email us at info at theandrewshow.com. Well, y'all, that's what we got time for today. I appreciate you joining me. Remember to be sharing the word about the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 9 a.m. You have a great rest of your day. We'll see you soon.